and use them to build that world here. We are hopeful. Amen. scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 to 36, and we will share in the reading of this holy text. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts, our minds, and our souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. Apocalyptic scripture like this rarely moves me to giggle. But that's exactly what happened when I read this passage after finding out that this is the lectionary reading for today of all days, the first day of the new year of the Christian calendar, the first day of Advent, the day we light the candle of hope. I giggled because I had this vision of the theologians who chose these passages sitting around a table nearing the end of what must have taken them years to divide up the Bible into lectionary readings and becoming a bit slap happy with their fatigue. And some wise guy says, hey, who wants to have a little fun with the pastors that have to preach these texts and assign them some good old apocalyptic texts for the season of Advent? You know, just when they think they'll be able to take it easy and preach about sweet Jesus, sweet Mama Mary and themes like hope and joy and love and peace, we'll throw them a curveball and see what they can do with the roaring sea and people fainting from fear and foreboding. Well, after I had a good laugh, I panicked. Because really, do any of us need any more fear and foreboding 
at this point in time. But like every story in the New Testament, the good news is there. It just took me a bit longer to find it in these particular passages. And really, isn't that fitting as well? Perhaps we're all having a little bit harder of a time finding and seeing the good news. But it's there. We might just have to try a little harder to see it. Well, first, I think it helps to put this reading that you just heard into context. Scripture scholars tell us that Luke was writing to a group of believers near the end of the first century. Some 10 or 20 years earlier, the year 70, they had witnessed the destruction of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans. Well, it's difficult for us to even imagine how devastating these events were for the Jews and for these early Christians. But for them, the temple was the dwelling place of God, the focal point of their religious belief and practice. In addition, these early Christians were being oppressed and persecuted for their belief in the risen Lord. As one preacher wrote, apocalyptic writing arises out of experiences of tragedy and opposition as people of faith look to God for indications of God's will and for relief from their suffering. It is the voice of faith in the most difficult times expressing trust in God and confidence that God will act on behalf of those who are powerless. The Son of Man will come in the midst of suffering. And of course, we have not been exempt from suffering, have we? Especially these last 18 months. And therein lies the beauty of the theme for our Advent sermons this year, close to home. There are, of course, a lot of images of that word home that, that we come to mind. But for this morning, I want us to focus on God, God as our true home. And oh, how we long to find our home in God. That deep longing is reflected in these apocalyptic scriptures. In the midst of fear and foreboding, we're reminded the Son of Man is coming. That's our great hope. But of course, the Son of Man is always coming. Jesus comes to us in a tiny baby. He comes to us as our greatest teacher. He comes as a healer, a friend, a bestower of abundant grace and compassion and everlasting love. We may not see him coming in a cloud, but we see him in the kindness of strangers, the smile of a child, the wrinkled hand of a loving grandmother, the soft voice that offers a word of encouragement, a melody that reminds us of our glorious creator God. He comes to us when we show compassion for one another. For as Nelson Mandela once said, our human compassion binds us to the one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learnt how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. And the Son of Man comes to us in the word, the word of the good news of the Bible, like we just heard. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with the worries of this life, and know and trust that my words will not pass away. Oh, how I long to not be weighed down by the worries of this life and to come home to Jesus' compassionate 
embrace. Well, Advent, the season of coming, in this beautiful season when we were reminded to focus our lives on preparing for the coming of Jesus. For the one whom we watch for is the one who waits for us as well. That is the gospel proclamation. That is the basis of Christian hope. That is the message of Advent. Waiting and watching may look different for each of us, but my prayer is that we will center our anticipation in hope, the kind of sacred hope that Jesus promises us, hope for the end of suffering, hope for the courage to work for justice and peace, hope to conserve and protect creation, hope for a bright future for our children and their children. Barbara Kingsolver once wrote, the very least you can do in your life is figure out what you hope for. And the most you can do is live inside that hope. Not admire it from a distance, but live right in it, under its roof. It's that kind of embodied hope that brings us home to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. For I know that when I lose hope, what I really am is homesick for Jesus. When I lose hope, it's usually because I've lost myself in the worries of this life rather than trusting in the word of God that all will be well. When I lose hope, it usually means I have forgotten to turn my head and my heart and my hands over to the Son of Man. And when I lose hope, I know that God is actually homesick for me. God wants nothing more for us than to come home and rest in love. New seasons always feel like an opportunity for fresh starts. And so in this season of Advent, may we seize the opportunity to center ourselves once more in what really matters. May we be alert as we watch for the Son of Man. May we stay awake for the glimpses of hope. And may we be a glimmer of hope to someone else as we joyfully anticipate the coming once more of that tiny baby that will change the world forever. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to come home. Amen.